like? Wake up and smell the Dr. Bronner's because you just pulled a bear into episode one of First Bet in the Morning Zone. With your hosts with the most, the triple empty threat, Pat, Matt, and Zach. Gentlemen, sound off. What is up? It's Matt Collins in the building. Blah, blah, blah. And your folks, it's Zach Schiller here. Yeah, give that hopper wheel a spin, but don't change that dial, because you just won yourself the Golden Bee Room with a view on all things Camp Coochie-Ching. All right, first class, walking down, taking away. Hey, what's up, boys? All right, hey, no more tetherball. No more tetherball. Got to get to class. How are we doing today? Hey, Matt, you're uh, your evening coordinator. Anything on the docket today? Low key, no spoilers. Oh, we might be doing a little bit of scatter dodge today. And I heard word of maybe perhaps little councils tonight. Is that? Uh, we're keeping that on the hush. Fair enough. I'll uh, I'll uh, start spitting on the bottom of my feet for some shuffle run. Oh, hey, what's that? Hey guys, it's, hey look, it's Gus. Gus, Gus. Oh, oh. What, Gus? What's going on? You seem are you are you bitten by a raccoon? You seem a little out of out of sorts. Cleveland, where's Cleveland? Cleveland. What? Is Cleveland in trouble? Use your words, Gus. We better look into this, Matt. Zach, let's go. Follow Gus. Let's go, guys. Come on. (laughs) Oh, my God. Where are we? Oh, we're in Woodsmanship. Hey, there's Cleveland. No, he might be a great first guest on our show. Yeah. Cleveland, what's up, Gus? seems to be in trouble are you in trouble what's going oh, on oh yeah i'm fine and gus is definitely fine he uh i think he just probably got into the compost down the bear trail uh, uh, sure yeah. sure he'll, he'll well, be all right hey i know you're about to start a class up here but i was wondering if you had, do you have a few minutes that we could potentially do an interview with you what is this for the daily pile or something uh actually no funny you ask this is episode one of camp kuchin's premiere podcast called first bell we are doing um, some different interviews with the usual suspects around camp, trying to get a finger on the pulse of the island, so to speak. Can we talk to you quick about woodsmanship? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. That sounds cool. All right. Hey, hey guys, um, I'm going to do this uh, interview real quick. If you guys uh, want to just keep whittling, uh, just remember to keep your, your blood circle. Awesome. You know, they seem a whittle young for knives, but hey, you're the expert. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Pat. Thanks, Cleve. All right, so let's talk about woodsmanship. Um, I have had the pleasure of teaching alongside you recently, and I got to say, I was learning as much as the kids. It was never big for me as a kid um, when I was a camper, but correct me if I'm wrong, there seems to be a lot of excitement coming from this end of the island right now around woodsmanship. Are we going through a bit of a woodsmanship renaissance here at camp? Oh, absolutely. And I would not say that's an understatement at all or an overstatement at all, Pat. Um, I I definitely think we're going through a renaissance. I don't think it's just me uh, running the class at all. We've got incredible staff and really engaged campers who um, are just really getting into this stuff. And I think a lot of it comes down to us taking over the last couple of years, taking a more sequential approach where we're looking at our woodsmanship standards and um, making sure that we're staying grounded in those and using those as a foundation for what we're teaching. And I mean, woodsmanship's just a fun class by itself. I mean, you're working with fire and saws and axes and knives, um, just like we would use, you know, pencils in school. These are the tools that we use at Cooch. And um, 
and I think we're just having a lot of fun down there. So it's been, it's been really fun to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, it seems, I mean, it's just been a blast and, you know, it doesn't have necessarily the same pole when kids are picking classes as something like, I don't know, tennis, but <laughs> I think a lot of this is due to the teachers. I've, you know, give a nod to you, you know, Alex Ernst, of course, Robert Schumann. Um, I know Andrew Pollock want to give him a shout out who was the department head a couple of years ago. You know, these type, these type of guys, you can see when they're walking around the island, out in the woods, you know, they're just so much more aware of their surroundings as a result of learning about their surroundings, learning about the wilderness. Um, it's, it's just everything is everyone is just so much more engaged when you actually understand, uh, you know, the horticulture around you and how to use it, how to work with it. Absolutely. And I think um, woodsmanship, if you think of it like a spectrum that we're really trying to take guys from a point where they can just survive in the wilderness to a point to where they, that they're thriving. Um, and, and just kind of that level of comfort, just being in the woods. And, um, that's kind of the direction that the standards goes. We start with the F sack with the fire saw ax and knife basics. And then we end with, you know, our brave standards that culminates in, um, in that friction fire and, and those kinds of things. So yeah, it, it is really cool. It's, it's really fun class. Amen. I, uh, that, you know, that reminds me, I don't, I don't mean to split hairs or logs, I should say, but, but, you know, getting into these standards, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it. And I remember you saying, um, the camp K in woodsmanship is one of the highest honors camp has to offer. And I couldn't agree more just how uh, difficult it is and just how much, you know, work and knowledge a kid's got to accrue to earn that. And that reminds me, of sort of an epic, iconic um, woodsmanship moment that occurred last year. And I'd love you to tell us the story of when Ian Redfield um, achieved his last standards to get the Camp K, who's a junior, which is incredible. But yeah, tell us more about what behind the scenes. Absolutely. And I agree. I think that uh, in terms of highlights from last summer, that was absolutely one of them. Um, just so fun to see that happen and, um, and to get to be a part of that. And I think just like a lot of those kinds of iconic moments, um, those kind of peak climactic moments, um, they start way back when, right? And um, Ian started his friction fire kit, I think the first week of camp, he's an eight weeker. Um, and, and so he'd been working on friction fire pretty much every afternoon off and on uh, for six weeks, you know, when he wasn't on his trips. And, um, and so, you know, anybody that's worked on friction fire can tell you that it's, it's one of the hardest skills that we teach at Cooch. Um, it's, it's physically strenuous. It's mentally strenuous. You have to have a lot of patience uh, with the equipment that you have made. Um, and also just with yourself, because it takes a lot of time and, and effort. Um, and it is sort and, of an act of magic. It's primordial. You know, you're making fire out of nothing, out of fresh. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and, and you're doing this thing that we now have, you know, modern technology or not even that modern, right. But we have matches and lighters and stuff. So it's really easy to think, ah, I could just do this the easier way. Right. But, um, you know, at Cooch, I feel like in a lot of ways, um, part of what makes us who we are is we're getting away from just good enough. Right. And we do things that, um, you know, really bring us closer to nature and closer to ourselves and friction fire definitely does that. Um, but, so yeah, Ian had been working on it for, for a long time and all the, all the woodsmanship rats down there that spend all of their afternoons down there with me, um, they'd just been, you know, seeing him work on it. And so anybody that's worked on friction fire will also tell you that 
you know, you start out, you just kind of have to get down the basics, the movements, um, and things like that. And then after a little while you start getting smoke, uh, but it, there's a long road from, uh, just getting smoke to actually producing a coal that you could use to start a fire. And so Ian was getting to that point where he, you know, he'd been getting smoke on his friction fire kit for weeks probably. Um, but, uh, he was at that point where it's like, all right, you know, we, we think you've got it, you know, we think you're going to get it today. Um, and so he, he, he didn't know that I was going to make this announcement in the dining hall, but I just announced at lunch that that day Redfield was going to get his coal and start a friction fire. So if I remember correctly, I think everybody like gave him applause just for that. Um, and then he had this entourage follow him down to yep. Woodsmanship at like four o'clock that afternoon. And I just remember Redfield telling all these guys like, okay, like guys, like, you know, give me some space. Like, you know, uh, you know this, yeah, exactly. Um, and so everybody just kind of fanned out and like pretended to do something to like, you know, whittle a stick or, you sure. know, whatever. Um, and, and anybody that's either worked on friction fire or heard others working on friction fire, you know, the sound, you know, when a guy's really cranking, it's like, it's like, you know, the worst sounds of the world. um, and you know, he's, he's on it. It's just, it's going. And, um, you know, I just remember, I remember Trevor Keel, I think it was, uh, just shouting out to everybody like, he's got it guys he's got it and then like everybody just like drops everything they're doing probably like you know dropping knives on the ground and stuff um and and runs over and sure enough uh, he had it you know and he he got a good coal and you know he blew on a little bit and um you know one of the tricky parts that you don't even realize until you've got it you know you've got your coal one of the really tricky parts is making sure you know, you transfer your coal from your fireboard over to your tinder pile. And, and he did it. He knocked it in there and was blown on the tinder pile. And sure enough, we got smoke, we've got flame and you're done. Huzzah. So, dude, it was, it was, it was epic. I mean, you know, I feel like that word can be overused, but not here. I mean, that, that, that was one of the coolest, one of the coolest moments for me as a teacher, to be honest, uh, woodsmanship or not. Um, so it was just really fun to see him have that success. And then, um, you know, I, I feel like it, it honestly couldn't happen to a, a better kid. You know, I, I think that Ian is, um, you know, a super humble guy, um, and a man, of few words and, um, just a total, a total leader. And, um, you know, I feel like this, it's not going to go to his head. You know what I mean? hundred percent. And like, I feel like with, with that in mind too, it was just such an amazing culmination later, um, at dinner, uh, you made, you stood up and made a follow-up announcement and announced to the whole camp, um, that was, that he got it. He got his final standard. He got the friction fire. I think you just said like, ladies and gentlemen, he got it. And there was just <laughs> uproar of support. I think he got a standing ovation. Um, yeah. it was electric. Um, I know you got a class to teach. Hey, boys, thanks for uh, letting us take up take up Cleveland's time. We'll uh, catch up with you. Let us know if uh, Gus needs any sort of stomach pumping in the future or whatever. All right, first bell. We'll be right back after these short messages from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pilot Biscuits. Yay! Whether it's Summer Sausage or PB&J, Pilot Biscuits, your premier trip lunch. Like it or not, that's what's for lunch. 
And also, Gorp. A taste you can feel. Gorp. Now with double M&M's. Grab a handful to the face. Now with double M&M's. And we're back to First Bell. I am under the dining hall with Zach Schiller, and we're here to talk about our favorite tripping experiences. Yay. Matt and I were on a big trip together. We did the North Knife River when we were CITs, right? You were CIT. Oh, no, you were a senior. Yeah, I was a senior. Oh, I guess I'm a year older than you. I'm so much older than you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and with that comes a lot of like knowledge. You know, a lot of knowledge and wisdom and experience. Yeah. Experience. But that, that was an amazing trip. And Matt, could you share with us, what was the craziest part? about that North Knife River trip? Well, I remember vividly uh, someone challenging Wakunda and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, saying that there's no way that it will rain every single day on this trip. And someone, you know, <laughs> had an issue with them saying that. It's like, don't say that. Don't. Right, right. You know, you're going to curse you, us. You but can't then do that. I, th- I think it was Dima. And he just said, like, mm-hmm. no, I don't care what you say. I hope it rains every day. Wakunda, you will not make it happen. And then it did. It rained every day for, like, the first 15 oh days. Oh, my gosh. Did you believe in that? Like, before that trip, did you believe that Wakunda had power over a trip? Mm, I think I just went with the flow. I, I don't think right. that I wanted to start any controversy, you know, for being, you know, a heretic. <laughs> <laughs> Does that ruin a trip when it rains every day, in your, in your uh, opinion? I think so long as it's sunny after it rains, it's okay. okay. So you get a little sunshine. Yeah, as long as you can dry out. If you're going to bed cold, that'll that's hard. That's hard. Yeah, because it's just un- uncomfortable. But uh, yeah, that really was an amazing trip. I remember uh, paddling or finishing across, going across the delta um, on the end there. We hadn't seen any polar bears. We had been taking a lot of polar bear precautions. And all of a sudden, like what we were seeing were seals. So every time we'd run over to another side of the boat, someone point out a seal. And I remember I saw a seal and I was like, everyone, look at this seal. And everyone ran over to that side of the boat. And then slowly, like that seal just emerged out of the water. And it was in between the jaws of a freaking polar bear. And that polar bear just got <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, you remember? Were you on that boat? No. Oh, I was dude. just saying I remembered. I Okay. I oh, remember. you remember yeah, you were, okay. <laughs> yeah. dude, that was like a crazy that was like the craziest wildlife. One of the craziest wildlife see, like spottings I've ever had. Period. So, yeah, I don't I don't think I saw two Oh, I saw a polar bear. But I guess that was years later. I don't think I saw any like crazy wildlife on that knife trip. On that North Knife trip. Dude, we were seeing some moose. I remember when we were when we got into like some beaver streamy type sections of that trip. Um, if you, if you were, uh, the front boat, shout out front boat or close to the front, you would have the most opportunity to see a wildlife. Um, and yeah, I remember crossing, turning some corners and seeing moose, like huge bull moose. One of which was like, it like, it didn't notice us at first. We turned the corner and all of a sudden when, when it spotted us, it like turned around into the wilderness. Literally it, there was like, there was this super wide path for it to just run through. But instead, there was like this little like poplar tree. It just ducked its head and like took like just ran right through the poplar <laughs> yeah, it took it out. Yeah, it took out the poplar tree. I couldn't understand why. I was like, it. There was so much room for it to just go through that lane. Like, why? Why did it go like run into the tree? But those those are very. It's a, such a powerful animal. Yeah, I've noticed that they can, like moose can like sprint through water. You know, like how you can't run through like you know thigh high water. Like yeah. moose have no problem just plowing. Oh, just through. like sprinting through. Yeah, they the could be up through their up to their neck and they'll be sprinting through the water. Wow, what an amazing animal! Yeah. Well, Matt, thanks so much for you know having me under the dining hall. I don't know why we chose this location to have a meeting. It's so dark and and, and moist, 
you know, I, I really like it. You know, we get to hang out by the toilet paper. You know, if anyone yeah. needs any toilet paper, we'll be able to help them first. You know, no, you're lovely. totally, you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you get, if you kids are ever, you know, feeling adventurous, I guess under coming under the dining hall and uh, coming around, you probably, you probably will get told by other counselors not to come under here and I would listen to them. But uh, for now, thank you, Matt, for this interview. Yeah, Zach, it's always a pleasure. You know, hopefully we'll get some more guests on to talk about their trip experiences in the future. But uh, this has been First Bell. And uh, until another moon has come and gone, seek the joy of being alive. See you next time.